Welcome to the Naturopathic Life and Living Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Francis, where I'm going to be talking about all kinds of things underneath the sun, everything that has to do with life, living, and your healthcare. So today I'm going to talk to an amazing person, Philippe Lewis. Hello and welcome to the show. So go ahead and yeah, let us let us know all this amazing stuff that you do and, and what's about ready to happen for everybody to be aware of. Oh, thank you so much, Leanne. It's good to be here. Just a minute ago, we were talking about sort of my history a little bit. I was reminded of this very interesting piece that I've come to realize over the years. Even though I'm a man, I still don't know what it's like to be a man in the most general sense of the word. I say this because this has led me to become more curious about men, not just inside or what it's like to be a man inside myself and inside of other men as a way of learning the sort of the trajectory of manhood that many people go through. And this could be true as well of women, although I'm going to focus on male bodies in this case. So... I came from a background where my parents were generally uh, very progressive, very open. They would just let me do what I what I wanted to do, and they were supportive. They occupied pretty standard gender roles. My mom was a homemaker. My dad was an engineer. He would fix things around the house. My mom would cook. Eventually, my dad learned to cook more as an engineering trick and kind of started cooking and really enjoyed it. But there was never a moment where they were like, this is how you be a man, this is how you be a woman. It was They were just shown by example. So I grew up in a, in a household that was open and allowing me to follow my follow my desires and follow my experiences. As I became older, I realized there was girls around and didn't really know what to do about it. I was, was, I was mostly a nerd or very intellectually driven. And my dad was supporting that. And both my parents were supporting that. I was really into science. And then eventually I started dating some girls. And what happened is that the girls I started dating had had abuse or trauma in their history. So at least one of them. And the other one actually was being abused by a grandfather while we were going out. So I had this experience of what's it like for somebody to be abused right in front of me. She would call me at work, regress to six years old, and ask me if she should let the, the big bad man come into the house. And I would say, no, don't do it. And it impacted me in a really deep way, deep enough that I came to believe that with that form of expression of abuse and trauma towards women could be something that is inside of me. Because I, as a teenager, I was experiencing bouts of rage, sometimes coming to me, very intense hormones. And I didn't really know at a primal level, this was happening to me and nobody was there to teach me. My dad didn't know any better. He was just like, this is who I am. You want some of that. But he wasn't teaching me in any way how to be a man. For better or for worse, there was, you know, there's great freedom in that, but there's also not a whole lot of structure around it. So I grew up with the experience of a man can be really dangerous. And this began a trajectory of about 30 years from 17 to 47, or maybe 46, where I had to do a full accounting of who I was as a man, how I interacted with women, doing the, all this work of not just being accountable, but doing the repair, what does it mean, what did I miss, and what's up with men in general. And then somewhere along the way, I moved to California and the U.S., which, for in my own experience, has been very interesting because what it's like to be a man and a woman has been put into question and gender roles have been put into question and gender uh, gender identifications have been put into question. And I've, I've never felt so judged as a person and as a gender and as a, uh, and as a sex 
den from being here. Uh, and so all of this put together, I had to do this whole journey. And I came out of it thinking, okay, it's okay to be a man. Men are not dangerous. And I'm here to prove it. I realized that part of my trajectory was to actually become not just a good person, but somebody who has moral integrity around what it's like to engage with people, including informed consent, including engaging with sovereignty, which is to me making good choices for self and for others in connection and in trust. So all of my work kind of came together with the realization that doing med's work was something that was really uh, deep into my heart because I'd been doing it for so long. And so nowadays, Long answer to your short question. Nowadays, I uh, co-facilitate this brotherhood journey called the Remember Brotherhood Journey. And we bring men together to give them a space to open up about their trajectory and their experience, including their lineage of what it's like to be a man and give them a place to find their own superpowers around being men. And, and, to, and to put that on the table and for that to be seen and appreciated and for all of these superpowers from different men to be put together in this, what I call the jewel or the, the gem. If every man shows up as a shining facet of the jewel, then you can sort of take a step back. You can, say man, you can see manhood as this beautiful gem that has done really beautiful things that also has caused immense damage. But if we start here with the things that we're really good at and the trajectory of our growth, then we can only go to good places. And so that's what I'm about. That's why I'm here. Cool. That, that's really important. Can you give us some examples of some of the progressions that you've seen in some of the men that you've met and known through this and then ways that you have really noticed changes in yourself of how this has benefited you along your journey? Yeah, if I look at, I can refer to this other men's circle that I used to be a part of and the main area of focus was purpose. So the, the idea of purpose is that if you look at your trajectory backwards into time and sort of estimate where it's going into the future, you look at that trajectory and you could call that purpose. You could sort of explain it as a storyline that leads you to do things that really matter to you. It can include damage, it can include a harm, but over time, as we all do our shadow work, so to speak, as we all integrate ourselves into better humans, then we make these discoveries, we make these adjustments. If we really pay attention to what's our purpose, what's our vision, what's our trajectory, where are we going with this? we really pay attention to it, then we begin to see the places that we've made changes. And so what I found is that men who pay attention to purpose, and that, and that, that is true of all humans, is make changes for the better over time. So some of the changes I've seen, okay, men going from being very self-centered uh, to being more considerate of others. Well, that's a very common one. I think as we become more mature, more secure, and more aware, we become more considerate of ourselves and others. That facilitates relationships. That facilitates co-working. That facilitates collaboration. And in that collaboration, we are able to come together and do more than we become bigger than the sum of our parts. So it's a very vague way to put it. I would say, I mean, in a more concrete way, men being in better relationship, women men being in better relationship with each other, being in less competition that relates to somebody losing versus everybody winning. Like playing the infinite game of we can all win if we all support each other to win because we're stronger together. And that's that's where I see all the, the values. As we become 
more mature humans, more secure humans, and more aware humans, we naturally tend to want to be doing this more together. It just makes more sense. It's more effective. It works better. We have more fun because by, by ourselves, we can feel lonely. We can sort of drift apart from each other. But together, we hold, as social creatures, we hold ourselves better. And so I see minute changes that connect with purpose. If everybody finds their purpose and connects with other people's purpose, kind of like how we connected today, you and I, then we all get better. And that better, I call that adaptiveness. I call at a primal level, when we are able to become better humans and connect better as humans, we actually win. We, have, we win the game of living a lot better than we were before because we have all these additional resources and the addition, these additional skills that we didn't have before because now they're part of our community of skills or community of values and our community of resources and time and attention. and effort. So that's what I see happens. Yeah, I, I actually really like that where it's, it's more of a collaborative effort in realizing how we can be supportive with each other and and how you're showing that the, the men can be supportive of each other instead of being in fear of competition and, you know, kind of pushing each other out of the way to be the guy on top because if you're the guy on top, you're standing there and everybody else alone. And that's one of the things. Can you go more into detail about what's coming up. I know that you've been doing things in person, but with all of the pandemic and everything happening right now, that's kind of separated and isolated and made guys not be able to, to have these kind of connections. But you guys have adapted and, and you've kind of changed and recognized that the needs are still there and seen that you can still provide for them. So can you go more into what you've got coming up for anybody that might be listening that's interested in, in being a part of what you're offering? Beautiful. Yeah. So originally, the, the Remember Brotherhood journey was going to be, and it still is, a five-day-long in-person gathering of men, 20, 40, 60, and we all come together. We've done it in Costa Rica. We were planning on doing it in California, Germany, and Canada, close to Montreal. And obviously, because of the pandemic, that didn't happen. So we pivoted. We were not planning on doing this, but we pivoted because Zoom, and we decided to do an online journey called The First Steps to Remember. This journey is indeed the first steps. It's not the full journey as we have it in person. It is just a few steps. It's four days, first three days, four hours each for uh, at the beginning, and then we do one more day of integration at the end, another four hours. It's more affordable, it's more accessible. Anybody with a screen and an internet connection can join us. And we were surprised at how well and how deeply the men connected in such a short time. We designed the course so that would happen, but we didn't know for sure. We'd become accustomed to doing it together in person. We saw the value in that. And we thought there would be value in doing this online, but we didn't realize how much value would be there. And so we invite men from all over the world to co-create with us a truly global men's and brotherhood community called the, the Remember Brotherhood Community and to come together with us online. This next one is going to be October 2nd to 4th plus November 1st. We'll have a link for you in the description and join us. If you have any questions, I'm happy for you to reach out to me and, and ask any questions. And maybe it's also a good idea to just leave it to the minister a little bit. The price is nothing big. It's easy. 
You can bring your friends and we can all be stronger together. I've looked at some of your stuff. You've got videos online for anybody that's interested in trying to getting more of a feel and idea of like what might be going on. Of course, you know, those were from retreats that were in person, but it's, it's still that connection and being able to acknowledge this community and access it online has less of a risk involved. I would see like it's a lot easier to be able to take that step to just go on that call and be like, hey, what's what's going on here let me see who these guys are and um it makes it so more accessible yeah you just need your your internet connection and your you know your maleness and um you know, being able to connect yeah so basically I, I had a question i know i had talked with you before a little bit about this and so just to clarify because we were talking before about uh like gender fluidity and not being in the same boxes that we used to be before so just to clarify who exactly you're reaching out to so that way somebody doesn't feel uncomfortable that like Eh, maybe I don't fit in here. I'm not really sure. So that way nobody feels like they can't go forward or they have to say that or whatever. So can you just clarify on uh, maybe a trans man, a trans woman? I don't know how you clarify what to make everybody feel safe and comfortable. Because obviously when we have a group of, and I'm going to use this example, if there's a, to be generic, like a group of men and then a group of women and they come together and let's say an emotional expression activity and we're supposed to have an anger release and we're supposed to have a grief release the men might feel like they can't fully release their anger because they might scare the women and they don't want to do that so they, they can't honor themselves and then maybe the women feel like they can't actually experience their grief because they don't want to upset the men that they're being too emotional so you know we have our, our connections for a reason because of how that energy resonates so can you just let us know yeah, a great question and so there's a couple of ways i mean in issa we would say Brothers and male bodies. That's one way to put it. I mean, there's a, you know, there's always an evolution these days around this. So brothers and male bodies, or uh, I think more precisely, at least I like the second version better, which is uh, males who were socialized as men from a young age. We're not trying to exclude anyone specifically. We feel that it would be better suited that the course, whether it's for steps or the full journey, is better suited to brothers and male bodies or, uh, or male bodies who are socialized as men. That's the best way that I can put it. And we are actually eventually wanting to create something for brothers and female bodies or brothers who were not initially socialized as men. So this would mean Anyone who, who is not in a male body who identifies as men or wants to join exploration of their inner man in some ways. So we're planning probably sometime next year on creating a course that is specifically for people, for persons like that, so that they can come in and be in that exploration and do this with a community of peers. And then perhaps at some point in the future, which is something that ISTA does already. There's a piece of ISTA without going into details because otherwise I'd be giving it away. There's a Brotherhood Day, and that Brotherhood Day is about considering everybody present as a brother. And then there's a Sisterhood Day, which is about considering everyone who's present as a sister. So this allows for people to do that inner exploration however far they want to take it and be completely validated for it. And for some people, it's going to be a little edgy, and for some people, they'll be like, yeah, I've always known as is, is my inner sister, and she's never been fully out, and now she gets to be out, or now he gets to be out. So we offer that in steps, and when it's there, it's there.
Yeah, that's perfect. Thank you so much for that. I think that knowing what we're getting ourselves into and what we're signing up for and, and how to show up and that whole consent is extremely important and we can't do it unless we're truly informed. So yeah, thank you for the clarity on that. You did mention ISTA and I did talk a little bit about ISTA in a previous podcast, but if you're willing, give us a little bit of information about what the heck ISTA is and, and why an organization or an organism like this would matter or be beneficial to people living in the times that we're dealing with and who we are at this day and age. It's a, it's a mystery school, and as an organizer, I would say that ISTA, uh, which stands for International School of Temple Arts, by temple, there's a lot that could be said about that. I would say the temple arts is inner exploration of your own inner sexuality, inner intimacy, your the inner parts of you, and how you relate to others in sovereignty. And we do this a lot through what's called shamanic techniques. Shamanic techniques could be seen as an expression of uh, visualization. You visualize yourself in, in different ways. You, you visualize yourself in interaction with others or interaction with parent figures. You visualize yourself engaging friends personally as an archetype with other people. It depends on the visualization and the journey. Point being is that these visualizations, we kind of sound like hypnosis a little bit, but not exactly or meditations to support people in being in this process of self-realization. We're not telling people who they are. We're creating practice with frames and exercises and rituals, rituals in double quotes, which basically allow people to do this exploration inside themselves and with each other. And so what does that look like? Okay, because that was very, that could, that could have sounded really woo-woo for a lot of people. And it's, as far as I'm concerned, it's not, I'm not big on woo. It looks like seven days and six nights of a group of people, anywhere between 30 and 60, coming together to be in conversation around who they are and where in their life they are not fully sovereign, where they haven't been making good choices for themselves, good choices for others, the ways they've been in their relationship to masculinity and their relationship to their father, their relationship to their mother and to femininity and to the sisterhood and to the brotherhood, and to explore what it would be like for them to learn to make better choices, to become more sovereign, to do the healing work that they need to do in order to become the kind of person that they wish to be. And it's not just wishful thinking, because you could wish yourself to be rich or to be this or that, but it's less about the vision, it's more about the trajectory and the steps between now and you being a better person 10 years from now or five years from now or two years from now. So in that sense, ISA is very non-dogmatic. It will take people on a journey. It's going to be an edgy journey. Those seven days can be very challenging or very fun, depending on who you are or depending on the day or the hour even. But it's done in a space of consent. It's done in a space of mutual support and a space of agreements. Everybody shows up making agreements to support the process for everybody else. And of course, you've got three facilitators, plus me as an organizer, who, are, who have our eye on the container and the space that people do this work in. And to the degree that we can, we support people in going on the safest, yet edgiest journey they can go through. So it's like, look at it as going on an inner roller coaster ride. It's safe to some degree, but there's some dangers there, or you could come out of it feeling a little woozy. So there's a degree of safety, but there's also a degree of risk, because whenever you go inside and you kind of mess around with your belief system, 
in a way that you're choosing to, you still come out of it feeling a little woozy and a little wobbly. And it takes time to integrate these new ideas, these new processes. But ultimately, you get to choose for yourself what you want. Nobody's going to drag you back into it. Uh, nobody's going to tell you you need to do it the Issa way. Issa is just a collection of rituals and frames of, of references and exercises that were gathered from outside of that of Issa and brought together in a way that seems like it would be a good journey for people and people would be really supported in their growth process in doing so. So, yeah, not for everyone. Whenever people ask me the question is like, should I do Issa? I'm like, well... You know, what are you ready for? What do you want? What do you want in your life? What would make your life a better place? Sometimes I tell them, yeah, you know, you might not be ready for that. Just like you might not be ready to cross the Grand Canyon on a zipline, or you might not be ready to learn martial arts. You might not be ready to go on a 40-mile hike. Maybe your body's not ready for it. So I'm very, very clear that ISTA is one pathway and there are many other pathways, and, uh, and it's not for everyone. So I just want to put it on the table, because sometimes people feel like, oh, what does it mean? Do I have to change who I am? No, you don't. It's really about you and where you want to go. And we're just here to show you one version of the right to get somewhere with your own self to a better place, if we can help it. Yeah, I like that you said one version of the ride. One of the things that I say is like, okay, put on your seatbelt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. And riding can be scary. So that's important to know. Like you, you don't go into a trans a quote unquote transformational process without shedding some skin and hitting the pavement a couple of times and shedding some skin skin that way. You know, that life is not safe. Eventually yeah. it's gonna kill you. And people choose all kinds of ways to recognize that. They smoke, they drink, they drive fast, they drive badly. And eventually something happens. They're like, yeah, maybe I need to be a little bit more careful. Only got one body, only got one mind. Let's not fuck with it too much. Only got one heart, you know? And they also recognize the value and the benefits of going through tough, challenging experiences that lead to growth. Like you don't go to the gym just to lift the easy weights. Go to the gym to lift the hard weights so that you break down your muscle, so that your muscle heals and becomes stronger than it was before. That's hard. Same thing for all growth processes. That's where the hero's journey comes from. It's like you've got to go through the abyss and the belly of the whale and, the, and all the challenges and the tasks in order to learn to go beyond yourself. And to some degree, that's what we try to do. That's why the, the brotherhood journey tries to do. That's what often people seek by taking risks, they want to go beyond themselves. We see that in movies all the time, in stories all the time. Now, your life doesn't have to be a movie or an adventure. It can just be being a parent. It can just be learning a new skill, learning martial arts, learning a new musical instrument. That can be hard enough for you. It's not for everyone to go to the nth degree. You could just go to the first degree or second degree. That's enough. That's fine. And that's the work I do with my clients whether they're men or women, we find out where they're at. And then I say, okay, well, how far do you want to go? Because the furthest you want to go in the time frame we have, the harder it's going to be and the more painful it's going to be. And if I do my job right, you don't kill yourself in the process. We don't damage yourself in the process of growing beyond your current belief system or your current mindset or your current limitations. 
Right, because that's truly how we grow, is we have to go into a space that is more than what we used to be. So it's going to be uncomfortable, it's going to be difficult, it's going to be a change, because if we don't go through a change, then we're not really changed, and then we didn't really grow. So when you zoom out, if you're not growing, then you're you're dying. We're, we're dynamic beings, and so even just the aspect of breathing and eating is a transformational process that, on a different scale, on a different level, is causing us to change, and that's the whole point. We're born these little babies, and we have to grow, and then once our bodies grow to the point that basically that's our good state of health and we're not going to grow anymore, like bigger, taller, that way we're multidimensional beings, so we're not just a physicality. So we have our emotions, we have our mental processing, our feelings that are spiritual aspects, so mind, body, heart, soul, we have all these aspects to be able to grow and expand and get bigger and join and all of that. So lastly, before we finish up, we were talking about how your the remember went from being in person to now incorporating the steps of being online, where ISTA, this is really imperative from what my perspective, and you can tell me if, if it's different or, you know, any changes that you might be seeing, but for me, it seems like the dynamic of being in person is imperative for the support because who knows what's going to happen when we log off, something like that. And so to me, it seems that it makes more sense that it would have to be in person. And I know a lot of the events have been canceled or delayed because of everything happening right now. However, I am super, super excited to be aware that there is a level one training coming up. And of course, you have there's three levels plus the facilitating. I don't know if you want to talk about any of that, just to, to say a little bit about that. There, there is going to be a training outside of Chicago because it's relatively close to me coming up in November of this year. Is there anything more that you want to say about the trainings or anything else to give a, more information about what is actually going on here? All you have to do is go to ISTA.life and there's trains all over the world. Now, depending on the country, depending on the situation, they're probably just really monitoring the COVID situation. Actually, I know for a fact that they're coming up with health and safety protocols. Everybody gets to hold their own sense of safety within the container once they're inside that container. But I do know that the, the organism, which is all the facilitators, all the organizers, and everybody else who kind of surrounds that, we're not a top-down organization. So... For a training to happen, it's one organizer, one lead facilitators, and two other co-facilitators to make it happen. And every lead and every organizer has got their eye on how do we create a training that is safer, even though there's never full safety. Whether it's 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 in terms of safer sex or safer, or people have colds, people have had colds before, they, including the flu, at trainings, and we just never really put our attention that much into it because the chance of being impacted was a lot less than it is now. So as an organism, all the organizers and the facilitators are sort of growing with the current state of affairs and finding ways to do this in a safer way, and then people get to decide for them themselves if they want to take that risk. Again, it's just like the other risk I was talking about, the risk to your heart, the risk to your soul, the risk to your inner world. It's not for everyone. And so some people are going to say, hell yes, with these health and safety protocols, I'm up for it. Or they'll say, nope, still too much risk for me. 
and that's okay either way but i do know that we have our eye on this and we're very very clear that i've had to cancel multiple trainings since the lockdown for the reason that we didn't feel like we had a full alignment between the facilitators and i and it just felt like it was best to just cancel and wait there's no reason why this can't happen later and in the future to us that felt like the right amount of care and awareness of what's happening i mean i've been in lockdown for five months possible to create enough safety or safer training. But again, like I was saying, reality is not safe. You can't approach life with saying everything is going to be okay because it's not always, you look around you, it's not always okay. And we, we either move ahead with a greater and deeper knowing of how to better engage with the randomness and the mystery that reality comes at us with, or we can sort of deny this and try to ignore what's the messiness of both humans and reality as it occurs around us. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I'm going to put the links with the information, but any last closing remarks before we say goodbye? Uh, yeah, I well, that was coming to me when you were speaking earlier, and it's, it goes like this. Growth happens at the edge of your comfort zone. Always like that. Whether it's your muscles, your emotions, your intellect, it's only when you get to that edge that you start pushing against that edge that you get to go on the learning curve, on, the, on, a, on a growth process. And parts of doing this well, there's a, it's a book about flow, and I can't remember, I think it's something like Finding Superman or something like that. Stephen uh, Cutler. Yeah, yeah Stephen Cutler. I, I adore him. He was, he was like my first quest that I did last year. Yeah. He speaks of the discomfort of growth. There's discomfort that comes with growth, and you have to be aware of it and to be ready for it because that discomfort is telling you that you're in a growth process. It's also important to realize that there is such a thing as trying to grow too fast or facing challenges that are too steep that really just kind of break us down and prevent us from going back at it again. Same thing when you're going on skiing, if you, I've done this before actually, second time I skied, I broke both my legs. As I went on a slope, that was way too hard for me. Broke my legs. Hey, did I ski after that? Not for a long time. So. There's such a thing as facing challenges and engaging with them well, but in order to do that, you also have to be aware of your own capacities and your own skills so you don't try to tackle something that's going to kick your butt so badly that you'll never go back at it again. So yes to challenges, yes to taking risks, but no to taking risks that will break you down so much that you won't be going at it again. There's a kind of like a, a degree of growth, which is I think like 4% actually really supports growth. But if you go too little, then you don't go anywhere. And if you go, the, the growth curve is too high, then eventually it can, kills you or it damages you or it erodes you. So you can't go any further. So yes, push your edges. Two, be careful. And three, take responsibility for your own growth process. And find the teachers and find the classes and find the, the skills that you want to acquire that will take you there. Great. Thank you so much. Yeah, that actually just brings me right back to when you were talking about muscles. If, you know, it's, the concept doesn't make sense of like, how can I do something that scares me if I have to be safe? Maybe some people that doesn't make sense to them. If we think about it, like going to the gym, we were talking about the breakdown of the muscles. But if you are used to lifting maybe a 10-pound weight and you go over and you try to lift like a 300-pound something, you're not going to be able to lift it up. But if, if you try to lift up something that's like 50 pounds, maybe you're going to be able to get it up. But you're going to tear the crap out of your muscles, and that's just going to give you a lot of damage that is going to take a longer time to recover than if you would have just said, okay, here's my 10 pounds. Okay, now let me go to 12 pounds. Okay, and then I can go to 15 or something like that to try to exert yourself more than what you're truly ready for. And, yeah, and then that makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much. 
All right, everybody, that ends our episode for today. I hope you were able to get some helpful information to be able to live more naturally. And so if you like what we had to say today and you found it beneficial or helpful, please go ahead and share. And if there's anything going on where you need to find a naturopathic doctor or for any reason you need somebody to talk to, please go ahead and call me at 586-405-7618. Or you can find me online at canassist.me. That's C-A-N-N-A-S-S-I-S-T dot M-E. This is Dr. Francis saying, enjoy, have fun, and until next time, bye guys.